Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. From Atlanta, this is the Adult Swim Podcast. Today is April 30th, 2020. I'm Matt Harrigan. With me today, Maxime Simonet. Welcome, Max. Hi, guys. Thanks for what listening to the podcast. That's it, huh? That's your colorful intro? And then we play an ad, and then we're done. What about the G-Bag? Oh, that's right. Going dipping into the Adults and Podcast Gmail. Hello, I hope you are well and safe. My name is Serge, a Moldovan-American music artist. I wanted to forward you a few links to my new material, thinking you'd be interested. Uh, Max, are you interested? No. Okay. Me neither. Jake L. writes... I really want Vernon Chapman on the podcast, especially since Shivering Truth Season 2 is coming out and there's not been too much promotion on it. I think that's a great idea. No guarantees. I got some work email updates. What do you got? I will be away from the computer from 12 to 1 p.m. today. Just a heads up. Okay. Who's that from? Uh, I don't remember. I just noted it down. Haruko writes, question to Matt. Are you going to voice liquor in season three of 12 Ounce Mouse? No. Follow-up question to Max. How's life? Uh, Pretty good. I had a dream last night. I was at Post Malone's big concert, and I spent most of the evening talking with Yao Ming, the famous tall Chinese basketball player, and we really got along. Are you a Yao Ming fan? No, I don't even know much about him. I recognize his face, and I guess my dream wanted a tall man in my face, a tall Chinese basketball player named Yao Ming. Why do you think that your dream presented him to you? I don't know. I I have no. It made no sense. I rejected someone who tried to make out with me in the uh-huh. dream, and I feel like they were really like, "What a la- what a loser!" Not making out yeah. with me backstage at Post Malone's big concert. I'm walking around. It's in like the backstage hallways, and there's lights. You know, it's lights and loud music, like a big gala. It's a big concert. It's like a fashion show all at the same time. And Yao Ming's just like, oh, how'd you end up here? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you're Yao Ming, right? And I, something like we just had a conversation and really got along. Wow. I wouldn't have thought that you'd known much about Yao Ming. I don't know much. I know his face. I know his hair. Uh-huh. Doesn't he have like a crew cut? What's a crew cut? Anyway, Haruko finishes up. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Thank you, Haruko. Closing up the G-bag. This week's Adult Swim podcast, Tender Touches. It's a show. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, reminder, Beef House and Three Busy Debras continues at midnight, Sunday night on the network. And if you have any requests, comments, concerns, criticisms, do what Hiroko did and send them to adultswimpodcast at gmail.com. Tender touches. Please let me introduce two more of our guests, Dave Bonowitz and Lauren Payne. Dave and Lauren, come on down. Tender Touches, promoted. Uh, it's season three of Tender Touches premiering June 15th, which is my birthday on Adult Swim. Whoa, was that intentional? I think so. Did you ask somebody to premiere it on your birthday? Uh, no, I think they just did that just 
for me, just as a surprise. How old are you going to be? You sound so low energy, Dave. I don't think people are going to be interested in the show if you don't sound excited about it. All right. um, We'll take it a step back. All right. Take two. Tender Touches premiering June 15th, which is my birthday. Whoa. How old are you turning? Like Lauren asked. 27. Nice. Wow. I'm 27, (laughs) too. Wow. It's really a rock star year for all three of us. Walk the world through your meeting, the three of you. Well, we should say probably that Max, who's one of the hosts, also co-creator of the show. It's a show that not many people know about because it's only aired 10 nights in the last three years. How many episodes are there? There's 10 so far, and there's about to be five new ones. Ten quarter hours, five more to go. There's technically 20, but we did musical reprises for the first two seasons. Do you feel like nobody knows about Tender Touches? I feel like only some people know about Tender Touches. So we had, behind the scenes, we all had a meeting about this, and we're like, Tender Touches is a good show. People don't know that much about it. How do we get the word out? Uh, play it. Play it more than once on TV. Has it only played once? As far as I know, each episode has only played once. Because Mike Lazo always said, it's too smart for people, but he loves it. Wow, what does that mean? I don't know. Too smart for people, but he loves it? Um, Is it available on like Hulu and... No. Amazon Prime and whatever. That's where people are. That's where the people How come are. you don't know this? I think it's on iTunes. iTunes. Know. We don't know. Apple Store. It's on the iTunes you don't know? Apple Store. Yeah, no one told us how to I don't know. know. I never like tried that. searching for it on Hulu. I, w- I would say in some ways I feel Tender Touches, part, you know, a show I've co-created and I'm very proud with, but also feels almost extracurricular. Whereas, what do you mean by that? Uh, I feel like my main focus is on the live streaming shows, which Tender Touches sprouted out of, and then Tender Touches, this television program, almost feels like I do it in my off time, almost. I think that's the case for most of us. Like I, uh, I have to like clear it with my boss. Like, hey, I'm I'm gonna work on some Tender Touches stuff this week. I hope that's okay. Whereas my day job is like graphic designer for website so i'll i'll back up and say that max lauren and dave you guys all work in the same department adult swim digital yes came together working in this department on various projects including the streams so you all technically aren't here because you're a show creator or i'm sorry you aren't at adult swim because you're a show creator like many people you're at adult swim for different reasons maybe you could each walk us through your reasons for being at the network. Lauren, go ahead. Uh, well, I interned at like five different places before I started at Adult Swim. I guess, yeah, Adult Swim was my final internship and I had just finished college. And that's the place where I was able to find employment. Well, and, you could have found employment at lots of places. McDonald's, the library. Yeah, but I wasn't doing a McDonald's internship. I was doing an adult oh. swim internship, which I chose. Okay. I don't know. That was like kind of always my end goal because I grew up in Atlanta and I always knew like Turner and Cartoon Network were around and within reach theoretically. And I was going to school in New York and I preferred the idea of moving back home and 
living and working here, it's much cheaper and it was much less daunting than like trying to find a job in Manhattan after college. And Lauren was one of the people who uh, was just showed promise and vibing with us. And we kept to just help us make things when we were building streams. How do you get an internship at Adult Swim? Uh, you either apply, you either throw your resume into a dark hole that is the uh, like Turner Jobs site, or you meet somebody who introduces you to somebody else. Like I interned at Augenblick Studios, which did Super Jail and maybe some other Adult Swim content. And I kind of interned there with the ulterior motive of getting introduced to somebody at Adult Swim, which happened. Uh, they put me in touch with Tori Cook, who got me an interview with Vanessa Palacios. Uh, I don't know. I just felt that at a company like Adult Swim, where generally we don't do the animation work ourselves, you're more focused on the creative side and actually coming up with content like we do with the streams every day. But with Augen Blick, you were doing someone else's work. Yes, that's generally how it works at an animation studio. Like somebody gives you characters and like style sheets and stuff and you just recreate it according to their instructions. It sounds like a, a good place to work for someone who with without experience. Yeah, it was great. I mean, like I did not study animation. I was a psychology major and I never had any art classes in college. And that was basically how I learned to animate. I told them like, yeah, I know how to use Flash. And they let me work there. I didn't know how to use Flash. I had to learn it like the first oh two god, days. You lied. You lied. lied. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Weren't you afraid that you'd be caught? Yes. I hope Aaron Augenblick isn't listening to this right now. How long did it take you to learn Flash? Uh, a few days. It's not that hard. The hard part, I guess, is knowing how to draw and knowing how to do in-betweens. So I, I had imposter syndrome, and I was literally an imposter. What name did you use? <laughs> <laughs> Fred Durst. Did you have... Uh, uh, Anxiety, leaving a psychology degree to pursue suddenly learning Flash in five days and changing your completely changing your direction of your life? Um, no, not really. I have been making, I've been drawing my whole life. Uh, I've been drawing on computers since I was like four or five years old. And I, uh, throughout my college career i uh i had a bunch of internships just in various media outlets like i interned at the new york observer at comedy central and a local pbs station in atlanta and then augenblick before going to adult swim so i wasn't like i guess that was kind of my education in illustration and animation and video work in general psychology goes out the window though yeah, I mean, the hardest part really was just having to justify and explain to interviewers why I was a psychology major. I yeah, just did why it were because, you a psychology major? Uh, I just went to a liberal arts college, and my end goal was just to get a degree, because you need a degree to get most white-collar jobs nowadays. And uh, also, it's the way you get an internship. Like, even just, like, enrolling, even if you just want to, like, get an internship at Adult Swim, you have to at least be enrolled in, like, a class at a community college to do it. You have to be in some kind of, like, accredited education program. Do you want to shout out your college? Barnard College. It's a women's college in New York. So I went from a place that was, like, 90% ladies to a place that was, like, 
eighty percent dudes. And me, Adult Swim. Yeah. You actually interviewed in New York with Keith Crawford in the building I was working at Thing X. Yes, that's actually how Max and I met. I didn't, I didn't that remember. True? Yes, it is true. I, I was in New York and it was uh, I was trying to interview for an internship in Atlanta. And I was like, well, I can fly down for spring break, I guess. But he then Keith was like, well, I'm going to be in New York anyway. So just come to Thing X, which was, I guess, the uh, digital branch of Adult Swim at the time. And I went in the building. I was very lost and I entered and I think a guy like wearing shorts and sandals was near the entrance. And I said, hey, I'm here for an internship. And I think that was Max who told me where to go. So you were in contact with Keith Crawford. Well, for some reason, that's the guy. Yeah. For some reason, that's the guy you interview with for a production internship at Adult Swim. They take you to Uh, like uh, the senior vice president of the whole network. Right. Lauren, when you talk about all this, it makes me sad for some reason. Why? Why sad? I feel like I've wanted to cry this whole time. Why? I don't know. Why? It's so she it's complete It's beautiful. Lauren has such a pedigree of Comedy Central, Augenblick, like fine Observer. outlets. You know where I interned? Professional photography services in Wilkesburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Banyan, I think, Banyan yeah. Productions. Garbage companies. Yeah, I think that Dave's story is much more impressive. He came out of nothing. <laughs> Dave's in Dave rags came from to nothing? riches. Rags to riches. <laughs> Dave's a fucking moron, and he's still managing somehow. Yeah, I, c- I was I c- born I with a silver a... spoon in my mouth. I come from a family of cops. <laughs> <laughs> Who said, cartoons? <laughs> Get out of here. They don't like drawings in his family. They think it's too fake. Yeah, he learned how to fire a gun by the time he was four. Dave, how did you get hooked up with the network? Did you have to meet with Keith also? Um, Do you come through the security department? Well, I I, I did actually uh, interviewed with Keith Crawford way back in 2005. I started. Well, 2005, I moved to Atlanta. Um, my girlfriend at the time got a job at Cartoon Network. We both lived in Philadelphia. She moved to Atlanta. I followed her down. Um, I met some of her friends that worked at Cartoon Network. Um, we broke up three months after I moved to Atlanta. I was alone and listless in a town I did not know. Uh, and then suddenly I got a call from Adult Swim. Uh, I inter- uh, applied for a job and I got an interview and I actually, I interviewed with Keith Crawford. I didn't know really much at all about Adult Swim. I distinctly remember saying that I liked the show Aqualab. <laughs> and uh, oh, no. uh, uh, so you know, I also you lied a, also little bit of an imposter. Um, I and I did not get the job. Oh man! Oh wow! What uh, was the job? It was the tape librarian for Aqualab. <laughs> Dana Swanson ended up getting the job. I wow. did not get the job. Imagine wow, if you were the voice Dana? of Toonami. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> I could be Sarah. Dave right was now. Sarah. <laughs> oh, here's um, anime doctor. So a few months later, let's say like February 2006, um, I got an email from Liz Mackey, who I met through my ex-girlfriend. Uh, Liz Mackey says there's a position open at CartoonNetwork.com. I interviewed for that, and I got that job. And um, What was that job? 
that was a production assistant for Cartoon Network New Media. So I was working uh, for both CartoonNetwork.com and AdultSwim.com. And uh, there was some turbulence back then. I think something happened. I think Lazo ended up taking AdultSwim.com back from Cartoon Network New Media. There was some sort of shakeup. Right. And then I ended up being solely at CartoonNetwork.com for a minute. But then uh, I got poached by someone at Adult Swim, and then I got hired full-time January 1st, 2007. Why were you poached, for, do you think? Uh, I, because I remember uh, Karen, who she said, technically I shouldn't be asking you to work here because that's poaching. Well, Dave, people are saying calling so, someone a Karen's kind of derogatory these days. No, her name is Karen. Oh. Um, this, that was before the slang. And then my other boss, Chad. Uh, who, I'm just wow. <laughs> wow. Um, and then so so really, though, I time progressed, but I was thought of for my first job by Liz Mackey, who I worked with for many years. Liz Mackey left Cartoon Network, but is now a producer at the animation company awesome incorporated that makes uh tender touches and aqualab full circle <laughs> yeah a little little bit of a chill yeah, ran yeah. down my spine as soon as i said it i'm like that's not right is it that's not right <laughs> keith didn't even flinch though he was probably three white mules in or something like that <laughs> max when you were in new york did you have a meeting with keith I never, I never knew Keith existed till I moved down here. How did you get your job? Thing X was pretty far removed from the rest of Adult Swim, right? Thing X is pretty far removed. I kind of knew about Lazo and more about Harrigan. I knew Sean Moore back when he was in Peter Carpick's position, and I knew Liz Mackey and Dave. I knew Dave before I knew I realized I knew Dave because he helped me deliver TV files from Final Cut Pro back when we edited in Final Cut Pro. You started working at Thing X yeah. in New York. And what was your job there? I had an internship at The Onion doing graphics that I got. I didn't know if I'd even get that. I had moved to New York. I was like, oh, I might as well be around things and try and do stand-up and stuff because I decided now I'm into comedy now that I'm 22, that I'd always been into it. And now I'm going to try doing it. I was staying at friends' houses, and I was just like, I'll pry for this Onion internship, and I got it. And the Onion internship led to them asking me if I wanted to help a few former Onion employees who were not moving to Chicago with the company to be a part of a thing that eventually was called Thing X. And I was the post-production assistant. Uh, but I think it turned out pretty quickly that I was also the best intermediary between like editing and motion graphics, like having a hand in both. So I was kind of finishing a lot of videos and putting things together and also working late hours and getting videos online that... Maybe got views or not, who knows. But it was a good experience. Thing X at the time was trying to bring, like you said, the Onion people print, right, into the Adult Swim video world. Yeah. Was that the task? A, a lot of the ideas felt kind of similar to Clickhole in some ways, too, what eventually Clickhole became. Uh, and I was making a lot of people's ideas until... There was decisions to change that, and Matt Harrigan was walking around. But then Matt Harrigan liked the things I was making with Joe Randazzo, maybe. You were taking a lot of the print ideas and, and, and visualizing them. 
kind of. I mean, they, they, I don't know. They were trying to like be producing things themselves, and the, I don't know. They were very wordy, but they weren't really like Onion News articles. I don't know. It's hard to say. But specifically, you had some sort of technically, in quotes, animation ability. I was pretty good at quick. I was pretty quick at editing and pretty quick at using programs, and I learned quickly. So long story short, you three end up in Atlanta working for Adult Swim Digital. Adult and Swim. Lauren was, at the time, making lots of graphics with me. It was before the digital department had as many shows as it ended up doing. Like, we gradually were just tacking more and more of people and being, like, spread out and spread thin. But at that point, Lauren had more time just to do stuff for me, and I was focusing more on Fish Center and the Crossword Show before it was called Crosswords. And Dave had had yeah. this idea to do a soap opera on the Crossword Show, like a radio play. And we had someone call in named Bradley Milner, and we improvised a soap I mean, opera he scene. Just, he just happened to call in. He just we happened to call in. We, we said the next person. Call in. I said uh, it was me or you said next person who calls in is in the show, and they're your wife <laughs> or something like that. And then I remember Lazo said he liked listening to it because he's been a big fan of Blood Feast. And I will say the development team on the West Coast, a few of them, huge fans of Tender Touches. The people inside the building like the show more than they put it on TV. I don't know why. But uh, he was like, you should animate it. So I was like, Lauren, let's get on that now. And what, you and I animated it? You drew all the characters and decided the character design style and color palette. And I was scribbling backgrounds and cobbling your poses together in After Effects just to prove that we could make a show out of it. Yeah, I was drawing uh, vector images in Flash and exporting them for you to, like, I don't know, integrate into your After Effects files. How often were you doing the live streaming soap opera? I think he only really loved the first one. We kept right, doing but it, but it, we only it really segment, used the first one. It was a segment that we did repeatedly for at least two or three months, I feel like. Yeah, but we only used the first and second Before one. Before he said anything? Well, I think he had said – I don't know when he said something. Well, I, I, I feel like he must – I think he said something early on, and I, I remember he said, I really like – I really like the property brothers. <laughs> and we're like, oh, no, it's, it's called Two Brother. Uh, yeah, so we should just find the central conceit of the show at first was that it's a soap opera. So I think a common theme in the show is family issues and relationship drama. But Dave improvised from a frame of reference of the mundane and realty, which I think is very Dave Bonowitz. So it just kind of became canon that the characters, or at least his character, was involved in, in real estate. Because he would talk, he's di I'm dying and I'm talking about the floor, and he's mentioning they're heated because it was a renovation project. That was like one of the big jokes in the first episode. The big brought the house down. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it was just purely audio in the beginning, and I was just sitting and listening to it to decide how it would look. And I remember crying, laughing, laughing thinking... Um, wow. I and we're crying, I laughing didn't know you when, cried. Like, <laughs> It was the part where, like, uh, I think Curtis was stabbing Steve and you were saying that uh, he would never see his wife's perfect little pussy ever again. <laughs> Which we ch had to change. But we had to change. But that was, like, my favorite line in the whole thing. We changed, we changed pussy to pistachio pie. Because Lazo yeah. hates the word pussy. A lot of things are going to change now that Lazo's gone. We're going to say pussy yeah, we're saying more pussy on the air. Now. Um, pussy grabs back. I don't think Lazo likes the word pussy, but everyone knew he was a virgin and very scared of women. You know, he gave me trouble for that word when we were doing assy. Yeah. You wanted to call it pussy first. <laughs> <laughs> huh. 
the crime fighting vulva. So you were doing this for two or three weeks? We did it for months. And it was yeah. always bad. And then I think, and then except for the first one, the first one was good. First which is one why was we good, and then the it. second one was half good. Yeah, and then it just progressed. Well, it, it got worse because we could I think never there was like a court anything. scene, and then we were dead. Yeah, and the whole idea, the joke, just became, oh, it's us arguing about what happened, which is sometimes fun, but it got redundant. And I think that's obvious in the show too that it's been driven by different motivating factors. I mean, I think especially at the beginning, I don't think anything's obvious in the show. Uh, I think uh, Dave will argue, maybe Lauren too, that I'm the only one who ever completely understood the first season. And I think it's partly because, Dave, you even said it earlier, you've seen it as an extracurricular. And to me, I was really like, this is a big opportunity I really want to take advantage of. So I was kind of pushing through just making it to prove we could make it. Yeah, I remember uh, we were all at a picnic in Freedom Park and uh, Max showed up and he was talking about his idea for like the, the town to be powered by uh, Curtis's sadness, which was like getting pumped out of his neck in the form of some weird pink juice. And Dave and I were like, yeah, sure. Max, do you feel like you were championing this before these guys? I don't know if I was championing it more than them, but I felt like I was less afraid to push it because I wanted to if they gave us one little, I thought it was a slippery slope to more opportunities. Well, and it's it, allowed the it, show to grow and it, get better and prove we could do it cheap. It was a slippery slope because I think the fact that it became a show was Mike's idea. Mike said, make it a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys made it. I was out of town. I, I remember being on an airplane and Lauren emailed me the uh, the drawing of Curtis. And it, it captured my essence, which I was very happy about. Um, Thank you. And did, then, did you have an erection in the plane? No, I didn't get a boner. Um, sometimes I do get boners on planes, but I think it's just from the engine vibrating. If I sit in the right seat, uh, do you guys feel if you like you fart more on airplanes? Yeah, but I think no. that's that's air pressure uh, and stuff. I feel like I keep like yeah, little quiet toots keep coming out. Uh, I mean, my shoes often start to feel too small when I'm on a plane, and I take whoa, them off. Creepy. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Max, you said these guys were afraid of starting up a show. Well. I think I'm more entitled sometimes. Max is more entitled. Yes. Uh, But like in ways that are sometimes like, I want to do this, I want to do this. And I even no matter what happens, I want to do it. Also, though, so, you know, the first episode of Tender Touches was make the cartoon and we'll see if we want to put it on air. Make one. And then one 11 minute cartoon. Right. And then it turned into, oh, this I like this. Mike said, I like it. Maybe we'll put it on at 4 a.m. And then that turned into make a few more. And then we we'll made put a it few on more. at midnight after Rick and Morty or something. Yeah. Uh, but then it and then and then it turned into make a now make it again as but change it a little bit, which is why we did the musicals. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean change? Well, he said he wanted us to air like uh, a reprisal or whatever immediately after each episode like it would be episode uh 102 coming on at 1130 and then the exact same episode would come on at midnight except the audio is different it would the characters were 1145 yeah whatever well at first the idea was like uh, back, back it up back it up you said one cartoon he said put it on at four in the morning how did it do oh i don't well, think no, it, it never it aired it, at that it, point he he saw it there and said make a few more and it kind of turned into okay we're going to air it over one week and he said oh, we could put it on after Rick and Morty because Lazo was really into part like parts of the streams he's been super into and Fish Center and Blood Feast 
And luckily, Dave and I was something I think he really vibed with and wanted to showcase it as much as he could without feeling like it was just annoying, I think. Or I don't know. He wanted to take a little risk on it. So he's like, I'm gonna, we're going to put it after Rick and Morty. But he also knew we had to fill 30 minutes. So we had to put a reprise right afterwards. And the original idea, I think I asked you if we could do, Dave, was to have Miley Cyrus play Bradley's character. Yeah. But somehow it turned into two or three weeks before air, Dave and I in one of our streaming studios making music that we sang over every scene. We hammered out 55 <laughs> minutes of music in a weekend. <laughs> so how many episodes was that? It was five. So each was night, five. Monday through Friday, an episode followed by the musical version, which we hastily made in two weeks before it was due to air. And then a year or a year and a half later, there was another five which also had musical versions. I think one of our saving graces was like, and the fact that like, I don't know if we would have even been considered if it weren't for the fact that we were able to animate everything, like the whole pilot in house. Like, I feel like a lot of shows um, are much more of a risk to make if they have to like hire a whole studio to make a pilot. Walk us through the animation process for the first batch. So Lauren designed characters I designed the characters and then I uh, drew all of their final poses and mouth flap and everything in Flash, exported a bunch of SWF files and gave them to Max, who put it all together in After Effects. I had interns working on mouth flap while I was on Fish Center. Like they would continue with the work where I left off. <laughs> they would go on my computer and match the mouth. Yeah, that's something you love to yeah. do. You say you tell an intern to get on your computer. While Get on my computer, away. do the lip flap while I'm doing something else. But they could look at your just email to be efficient because I really to. wanted to see it. It was really exciting, and uh, yeah, it was just I don't know, like three. The first episode's only like three scenes, three characters. Yeah, I mean it's an easy show to animate. It's primarily dialogue with a little bit of physical comedy. All the audio that takes place in that first episode was all live, straight from the Blood Feast live stream with. Only edits to the word pussy. Everything Which was an else. issue later on, like with um, some of the music used in the background. Music you had to like find a way. Yeah, you had to find a way to like cut out music from like one baked in. We audio bought a file. YouTube piano song from a guy. Yeah, like some. That, guy. that I had played. Yeah. <laughs> like an idiot. Was it a guy in Korea or something? Yeah. Um, but then uh, we hired uh, an animator, Ed Jacoby, who basically um, did the rest of the episodes, four more episodes. And it probably, probably the lowest budget show in adult swims history, which I feel like is saying a lot. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it has to be, it was like what 40 or $50,000 for five episodes. I like even, it was not much. I have no idea, but it was just not a lot, but the next four episodes we ended up recording, uh, in our live stream studio, uh, with everyone sitting in a room together with these headset mics that we're wearing now. Which um, is still the vibe we do now. Still the vibe we do now, but it is a show that comes out of uh, confusion and uh, sort of just bickering. And um, and I think non-actors and are not really trying to be super funny. People who kind of come from a different instinct than just like straight comedy or acting. A lot if of they can. A lot of people that we work with, some employees of Adult Swim, some employees of, I mean, we have Jazz, who was uh, the, she worked in the cantina. Um, we have, this season, we have Ned, who cares for the fish tank. 
um, people that are just around that are kind of unique. Dean Shepard, our project manager. Yeah, just people who she aren't, plays our mother aren't necessarily actors or even uh, even know they're going to be on a TV show that day. Why do you think people don't use more non-actors in animated shows? How do you get away with using non-actors? I think cartoons cartoons have a history of people with like well-honed instrument voices that can do a lot of different voices and they have a history of uh like a lot of exaggeration and building on that i think after the 90s especially after disney realized how much money they could make advertising that robin williams was in aladdin there's also like been celebrities have been a big part or brand name recognition i mean even smiling friends has that guy from Mike from Red Letter Media. That was like a big draw to when the pilot was airing. Whoa, it's that guy. Yeah, it's like People a, it's like like a fun, voices. easy, well-paying gig for a lot of actors. Like you just show up in your sweatpants in a room and do summer chorus and then you leave. I, I don't think like until really Dr. Katz, but maybe even arguably home movies, Space Ghost, Aqua Teen, there weren't really many understated cartoon performances. I think in many ways, people who aren't actors can provide better acting than somebody who's really trying to imbue lines with emotion like people stumble over their words a lot and i don't know or just deliver more awkward realistic lines i think than and that's why i've always argued with dave that tender touches is evocative of the mumblecore movement yes i feel like um, we're seeing a lot of that like there are bits of rick and morty that are totally improvised and done ad lib uh, and i'm seeing it also in the netflix show midnight gospel and well that's just interviews right i don't know i haven't watched it yet i mean yeah it's it's recorded ad lib and i don't know i like the idea of um of lines and bits like i don't know like people deciding for themselves what part of a show is funny uh as opposed to something like snl where it's like uh very curated and they decide for you like what is funny and when to laugh. I mean, it, Tender Touches definitely has, you know, feels a lot different than something like, you know, Venture Brothers or something where it's, uh, I'm sure Venture Brothers probably carefully written. Our show is not carefully written. And I think, you know, taking... But it's more carefully edited. Like we're trying to carefully find edited. moments well, and moods I mean, and vibes. It's definitely the, the discovery and the editing that where we write the show and the editing that's i mean that's certainly sculpted a bit more um some people would say that's the hallmark of a lot of adult swim shows that they're made in the edit for sure yeah i mean def tender touches 100 percent. and i think i think you know a lot of things that i work on i think the excitement is making something and then uh figuring out what it is later uh, well, and I think we have the liberty, especially with smaller budget projects and just not being a network where you've got a huge writer's room where you've got to decide five drafts in what it is beforehand. And then people are kind of married to it after like the executives have sat in and saw what the episode or listened to what the episode's going to be with a table read. Like we don't we don't have any of that. And I'm imagining for Space Ghost, uh, even if you guys had table reads, you were open to it changing a lot by the end. Right. You were in a you had a position where you could just. Especially since it started as like what the, uh, 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 how would I explain it? Uh, like it wasn't really a show at first, right, Matt? It was kind of just on. <laughs> Space Ghost is an example of a show that was carefully scripted and then wildly abandoned. In the 
each of you has a diversity of abilities, and to be able to bring all of those to bear on a common project means you can do a lot of the stuff yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if Max or Dave wants a visual change, I can do that. If we want uh, a line to be delivered or edited differently, we go to Max, I guess. And if we want sweetening or specific sound effects, we go to Dave. But I will say Awesome Inc. is doing amazing this season, has kind of brought all the ideas to life with our notes after just hammering radio plays. You guys have established a template of what the show is supposed Mm -hmm. to be, and now you bring it to a company who can replicate those processes. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they just, you know, they, I mean, they're they're good at what they do, and they they interpret uh, the radio plays that we give them, and... It still hinges on... uh... Max and Dave putting together the radio plays and then ultimately doing the final sound edits. Awesome is mostly, I guess, tasked with uh, storyboarding and then doing visual edits and animations. How about this line from a review of the show? If the streams are a potential water well for new and upcoming talent like Dave Bonowitz nice. and Maxime Simonea as an avenue to give us content like Tender Touches, then I could be a buyer for that aspect. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Lauren, you were excluded from that. What's it like to be a woman in this process? Uh, I don't know. It is weird. Sometimes I do get imposter syndrome and I just assume that I was added, I don't know, as like an honorary thing or like a token or something. But then at the same time, I'll like go into the writer's room to get some candy at work and I'll look at the the slate of upcoming shows and it'll show all the all the names of the shows and then all their creators and it'll just say tender touches max and dave and then i'll like angrily write my name under who, it too who, who printed that out or it just said i don't know an intern it's probably some sexist intern <laughs> i mean <laughs> i don't feel like it's you you, you should, I, I i wish you wouldn't have to have imposter syndrome because literally it was me lauren and dave we made the first episode. But really, I mean, really, like that, if I mean, that's I know, what but creators usually are. You don't see, like, I don't know, the art director listed as, like, one of the co-creators of a show. Like, I feel But, like, like, sometimes, you know, like, with Super Jail, like, Christy created the show and he also draws it. We just happen to, like, come at it from two different angles. And your voice and sensibilities also craft the show to be something. I mean, it's, it's so obvious when I do something alone that it's very different than if I did it with you or with Dave. You know, right. it completely changes the show. I, like, you I know, was having... also barely involved in that first episode, I feel like. Right. I mean, you know, my voice was in there, but, you know. It is a good feeling, I don't know, I guess, to be one of the few female show creators on an animated series. But I just want to see more of it, I guess. I don't want to be like the single torchbearer. Like I want there to be plenty of people. I don't want it to be a well, big deal. A lot deal. of people told me that you're enough, though, Lauren. That I'm enough. Yeah, that you're enough. We're done now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the hardest things for an animated show to do is to have a singular style. I think a lot of people would say Tender Touches has an immediately recognizable style. Thank you. That's nice to hear. I, I feel like I don't know with the blue line work. I wanted the show to have its own visual hook. I suppose like. Uh, with Rick and Morty, the characters, like, their eyes are all, like, asterisks. And then in The Simpsons, the character's skin, if they're white, they're all yellow. Uh, and then, I don't know, I liked the idea of a show having line work that just wasn't black. It's funny, too, how, you know, sometimes we had uh, the animation studio do a character design. And we'll 
get the design back and we'll say, wow, it looks like Family Guy. Why does it look like Family Guy? And it's just like a line drawn, drawn on the eyelid or something. But somehow the Tender Touches look doesn't look like other shows. What were the decisions that went into the style of the show? Um, I don't know. Like I, I did it so long ago. I was, this was back in like 2016 when I was making these decisions and, um, I knew that I just wanted it to be simple and have a really simple color palette. I definitely drew some inspiration from Mission Hill in terms of color palette. Um, maybe the Simpsons in terms of character design. And, uh, we knew going in that we were going to do a low frame rate, like instead of having smooth, fluid animation from one pose to the next, it just jumps. And we did that as a cost saving measure. And at this point, I don't know how necessary that is, but I still like to do it. I will say we are still very low budget, at least this season. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. fact we're getting as much as we are getting is sweet and generous from the people at the animation company that you said are are thankless and work late hours. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I just want to let the viewers know it's less than 10 million an episode, so that puts yeah. things in perspective. Do you feel competitive with other animated shows? Um, maybe in terms of like marketing and packaging and promotion, I feel competitive. Like not in terms of quality. I mean, I d- I don't re- I don't feel uh I feel like we're making our own little thing and I don't really feel competitive yeah. creatively with other shows. Yeah, I I um, I felt more and more confident with Tender Touches as the years gone on. If anything that I feel like I want to occupy a space in people's minds because I do think some people find it and really enjoy it. And when the first on the green showing of the first episode in Atlanta, like there was a lot of laughs. I I think it's a funny show. I'm I'm a very insecure person who also has imposter syndrome. And I'm pretty confident in Tender Touches as being a thing that if you like it, it's not like full of flaws. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's something. There's something to like there. Yeah, I, I don't thing. feel like uh, terribly inadequate compared to other animated series, especially knowing that we have much less to work with. Do you feel like a bigger budget would improve the show? I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe in terms of just like the amount of shows that we're able to do in one season, but I don't think that it would affect the quality of the comedy or anything. Maybe if we were able to get like bigger actors or something or more like big name actors. Robin Williams. Our biggest celebrity is Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Robin Williams and uh, well, just essentially everyone who worked on Aladdin. You have a character literally phoning in. That must have been a significant decision. Yeah. And I still, I feel like it confuses years people. later. It didn't. It didn't really. It wasn't uh, something I considered too much. Um, well, due to the fact that we had uh, a caller act with us when we did the original two brother segment of Blood Feast, um, the caller Bradley Milner, who is a boisterous young man from Queens, New York, um, and Bradley called into Blood Feast quite often um and would call in to do the two brother uh segment on blood feast every single week he'd be the only guy who ever remembered what was going on he has sort of a incredibly uh photographic memory for minutia perhaps perhaps Uh, he would definitely like stop us in the middle of tender touches records to tell us that like we were lifting ideas from like some episode from like season three of the cleveland show to where we'd have to like stop the record and like where we all debate about that and find out he was wrong but it's like a big scene in the second season 
And there's a lot of cool things you can do just with the nature of the records, but even more so with someone who's not even in the room with you. Where like in the second season, he plays a woman and I, I was having him like moan against hot tub bubbles. And then I started accusing him being a sexist and he's asking me on the phone not to put that in the show. We do. So we I just we really the give the guy a hard time. Like there was a point <laughs> we in the sort third... of psychologically torture him a little. Yeah, bit. there was a point in the third season where we were trying to trick him into thinking he was fired and that we were done with him. <laughs> and it was like the first episode of the Which whole is like season. the plateau of like what you can do. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, he's having, you know, he's in, he's laughing. But due to the fact that he was on the phone for that first episode and he was a major character, we said, well, we'll just have him on the phone for every episode. Uh, it was a decision I don't think we thought about too much. It just seemed right for what we were doing. But it's one of those things that's hard to grasp maybe for a newcomer. Maybe. I think some people, they wouldn't question it and be like, well, that's weird. I mean, I definitely, but some people are like, is the sound bad? Yeah, I definitely saw But I don't think it's a on flaw. Twitter. It's not a, it's yeah. a, it's a decision, I think. But the fact yeah that it, i think it's funny when people think that like that was the best we could do like the bradley's sound quality was just a mistake on our part well, someone and... on twitter did ask why the sound was bad which now you know three years later i'm like all right maybe we shouldn't have put someone on the phone the, uh, there are little inaccessible things like that i mean in general and it's similar i think to some of the golden age adult swim content i remember seeing a comment somewhere that was like this show doesn't have any punchlines." <laughs> They said that about older adults with about shows tender, or touches, tender touches, oh. which I think is. Uh, but I, I don't see that as a flaw either. Like, I can't be insecure about it because I like I said earlier, I think the show is what it is. I mean, and I, clearly what it is. Yeah. And uh, I think it is successfully what it wants to be. It definitely I mean, season three, as I said the other day, definitely taking things to a higher step has episodes where there's A and B stories. Whereas in previous seasons, I don't think we focused on B stories. So at least, well, the fir- the first two seasons, I think, were more of an homage to an idea of like just a continuous soap opera narrative a that just keeps going and it happens over one week. But I think something I think our network does, and I, I, I've been really into anthology series in general because I like when shows don't go on forever. Changing up things is nice, and like the end of this season changes things up a lot. Um, how did you script this new batch compared to the earlier batches? We had a group of creative consultants after Lauren, Dave and I met up with some ideas we had where I'd be like, let's go to this room. And we wrote ideas on a wall and then we kind of each took a pass at an outline and then we'd like kind of give notes on each other and redo them. Then we brought in a group of, uh, people that had worked with me on Machu people, Pichu, Dave's wife, people in the office, just a lot of Dave's family and friends and old girlfriends, just everyone Dave knows. And, uh, got a lot of questions about clarity, joke punch-ups, just notes we took, notes to take into the record to be like, well, let's try this line. I think, I think having additional consultants, uh, as we're calling them, I think that really helped us see the story from a different perspective and sort you yeah know, a lot of things uh there is a little bit of a spoiler but there is a, a chip clip in season three uh that becomes like a, a key element of the show and that came ji young said that she uh we, she, we had this promotional chip clip at the house that she thought was funny because it was a promotional chip clip for a real estate agent and that a chip clip promotion for a real estate agent became a key part of tender touches. Um, so it was good to have 
people to bounce ideas off of and non-writers in other words selecting some consultants in the same way you select voices i think people people we work i with, think everyone was comedically minded yeah people we work with that we think are funny and uh and it's definitely a mixture like taishi is an actor and then but we also had people in the writers rooms who are writers like chris arison who's a writer for adultswim.com who are some of the guests you've involved in the show bradley milner obviously Right. We have and a, this season we have a few other people who call into Fish Center and stuff who all play the family of Bradley's character, which is probably what led to that sound quality comment because Yeah, it was a whole uh, scene I remember full of people. I was in it. Quebec <laughs> and I was writing down ideas for the third season. I was like, Well, it should be the whole family and they all sound like on their phone and it makes Dave's character Curtis really annoyed because they just sound so annoying. Who are some of the other notable voices you're able to get now? This season, most notable, I think, is uh, Taishi Tamaki, who was on Terrace House, which I'm a huge fan of Terrace House. And uh, I think. Yeah, it's insane to me that you went from like watching Terrace House on your couch to like going to Fritty and eating pizza with Taishi. Yeah, it's awesome. But he he lives in LA and he's an actor. Um, And again, I think that was my wife's idea to reach out to Taishi. Um, but he, uh, he came out to Atlanta and we recorded a few episodes with him. All the best ideas come from G young. Real. I mean, that's how I live my life. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we also have Michelle Firestone who, um, a long time we've known Michelle for a long time through like fish center and stuff. Uh, but Michelle flew to Atlanta uh, to reprise her character. Um, and then a bunch of people from around the office and um, people that, you know. And then uh, Daniel is played by Chelsea Thomas, who uh, is a local bug woman. And she works for the Atlanta Botanical Garden. I think she's like an educator of some sort. She's an expert on like insects. And we... Because Max wanted a large segment of season three to be dedicated to his character's new obsession with caring for insects, he wanted to include like a local consultant, I suppose, to be uh, a voice actor on the show. But Chelsea seemingly uh, just uh, obsessed with bugs and an expert of bugs, not at all a cartoon voice actor, but somehow in the show, I think it, it seems like as if... It were an actor with facts about bugs written for them to say. I don't know how. And that's just how she talks in yeah. real life. If you meet her at a party, she'll just start spewing off information about but, larvae. But Chelsea, though, we never auditioned Chelsea and said, oh, do you have a good cartoon voice? It was just like, oh, you know a lot about bugs. You're going to be in our show. Are people confused by that? Are they wanting to come in and do a cartoony voice? I don't th- I don't know maybe it's once they sit down and they hear us talk and maybe they see that we're just kind of talking in our regular voices and stuff. I think the only person that doesn't really get that sometimes is Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley which is why he's good. Yeah, which is, which uh Well, I think it's partly because he's not physically in the room with us. Right, right, Bradley. I think can't he would see. tone it down if he were in the room with us. Yeah. Has anyone said no? I don't 
We haven't really reached out to many people. I, I, I feel like we're at a 100% success rate. Yeah, yeah. So I've had some like, oh, it'd be great to get this person. But then it's like, ah, we'd have to get them here. Yeah, try to get Yao Ming, but you have to fly the people here. Well, we did Though that. I do think like it's coming to a point where it's cusping. I don't, it feels like, you know, we're actually doing a little bit more PR and marketing this season. And we might put together a pitch document for a longer fourth season. Uh, I, I feel like it could get the attention and instead of just feeling like, oh, this is a side streams project, it, it feels uh, sustainable and like there's more to do with the vibe of the show without it feeling redundant. Have you had some reactions to it that have made an impression on you? Uh, not Everyone mean. says that Curtis's character uh, looks – that Dave's character looks like um, Griffin, Griffin McElroy. And I have to say – that was never intentional. I didn't even know who that was until after that? people. Well, I, it's a guy who works in podcasts. Yeah, he works. Uh, I my think, brother, my brother, and me. I think people say I, in real life, though, I look like that guy too. Yeah, there was, on Twitter, someone said people refer to it as podcast the show, which immediately I was like, well, that's kind of a little bit of an insult. I'm like weirdly okay with, but that. then I thought about it and I'm like, well, it's not, and also. Uh, Curtis in season three has a podcast. Uh, so it was probably the most astute uh, comment that they could possibly make. And it's uh, recorded it's not similarly like, to a podcast. Like yeah, people I think, sitting and, in a and studio then I thought too, maybe it, is, maybe it is just the way our voices sound on these microphones uh, True. and the way the, the banter is, uh, you know, people talking over each other and people saying, um, or gathering their thoughts or, but I don't. I don't think it's gotten enough exposure to see people like really have profound reactions to it yet. Yeah, I mean, if I want to find feedback about tender touches, I have to go on Twitter dot com and like look up hashtag tender touches the night it airs, and or then, go to Bubble Blast. Otherwise, it's just like weird porn and massage tweets. Yeah, or little <laughs> an, uh, animal sculptures. I sense some frustration. I think there's. Uh, the, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel optimism. Like, optimism. I'm a a frustration for the future of it. I think that I feel more of a growing frustration with like television as a medium. Like, I don't think that's really the best way to reach a wide audience anymore. I don't think that um, I feel like most people don't watch Rick and Morty like live on television using Comcast or whatever. They do it like on Hulu or they torrent it or whatever. And I, I don't, I'm not good with outreach. I'm all re- also annoying. I don't know anything about marketing or getting a following. I think partly like game set is doing well because like it's a six hour thing and it's on YouTube. Like, do we have like every episode? Well, of also re-aired on, on TV way yes. more than Tender Touches ever did. I think I, that Tender Touches some. is a bit more modest than game set. True. Two different. Yeah. Tender two, Touches two didn't have a release energies. party. <laughs> we should have a release party. this. Yeah, morning. we never had a release we're, party. Well, well, you know what we've been catering. doing, Matt? We're not going to have a release this... party because we're going to we're all going to be in our homes. We're going to have a we, Zoom we just went to Dave's party. house the last two times and watched the first episode. Yeah, <laughs> like, we went just... and watched the episode and then ate some like mozzarella sticks or something. And then Max and then left, left before it was even over. Yeah, he got <laughs> sleepy and left. Give some advice to people who might want to do what you guys have achieved. Uh, work for people that trust you. Yeah, and take advantage of opportunities and make proofs of concepts. I think it's really nice to make things you like. Like, even if this has been a low-impact show in terms of just how much has been pushed out there, it's 
really nice for the audience that does like it, that gets it, to make something that is personal to all of us in our own ways. And uh, it, be- it happened, I, I will insist, partly because we just made it after being told we should try and make it. Instead of, it wasn't mired in development, you know, it just became what it was and was just we never made. We never made a show Bible, which maybe you only make that if you have to pitch. We made a show Bible. Oh, okay. I don't know. See? <laughs> uh-huh. I gave it to the animation studio. I put mine in a motel after I had sex. I don't even know what a show Bible is. Uh, But yeah, I think that uh, a lot of the time, like producing a show isn't about like going to an executive and asking permission. You just kind of put pencil to paper and just make the thing and then show it to people. And if they like it, then people will share it with their friends and talk about it. I I will say real, uh, this is kind of bouncing back to a previous question, but was there anything that someone said that uh, whatever left an impact on you about the show? Uh, when the first season aired, I believe it was someone that worked at Turner Studios, but they tweeted that one of the biggest inside jokes in Cartoon Network history is about to air, referring to Tender Touches. He referred to the show as an inside joke. Wow, that was a Turner employee that I believe said that? so, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I thought it was just uh, a stranger. Which, you know, it's too smart for them, like Mike Lazo. No, I, but I think it's the fact that it could be perceived as a, an inside joke is very interesting. I think we are, uh, you know, the show, if the show are pitched to Adult Swim, there's no way Adult Swim would say, no, oh, yeah, we I... trust you. But we were in a position where we were able to make this unique thing, and we have uh, we had fearless uh, bosses that said, yeah, make it. And maybe there is a little bit of you know, our unique talents combining like some sort of mumblecore Voltron. Uh, but, you know, the show, the show is uh, its own unique thing. Even though like you can call it an inside joke, I don't think our anti-humor, if, if you call it that or mumbling, I don't feel like it's lofty and pretentious. And I don't I think we're trying to make a show that's also it's not really full of referential humor or anything like I think there's genuine just it's there's a lot of character drama and situations like I don't think there's like kind of like we're smarter than the audience or anything like that it's it is putting just uh, us butting heads together on a real primal level when I, well, I, when I hear the phrase inside joke I don't think of something being too like erudite or or esoteric I think that like I imagine a group of people laughing about something and it's only funny to them and if they but it's like yeah it they're a little me, too cool for school but I don't think maybe maybe it was cool the school. musical thing that was the inside joke I don't know either way maybe. that sort of left an impact on me uh, I just look for commentary about the way the show looks yeah I like I like improv stuff I'm not good at improvising at all. I don't mind, like, I enjoy reading lines from a pre-written script, but if I'm put in a room and told be funny, it freaks me out. I don't don't like it. I don't really like improv comedy, but I like improv drama. Yeah. That's what the show is. The show is an improv drama. Promote your show again. This may be the only promotion you get. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Is that a threat? Well, this show, Tender Touches, is an improvised soap opera. It's improvised drama. There's family drama. 
Uh, it's the, the humor lacks punchlines and is vibey and mumbly and bickering. If you like podcasts but wish they were animated and also were too cool for school, this show's for you. Fuck off if you don't like it. I have a house. I have a condo. I also have a condo. I have okay. a townhouse. I have three floors. Okay. If you want to make a TV show, you need real estate. You need to invest in real estate. If, if you haven't seen it, check out adultswim.com slash what? Just slash tender touches? Yes. Yeah, I think uh, it's a fun show. I really, I'm proud of it. Just Google tender touches and type it in Google. Who, inv- who invented the phrase tender touches? Because that tender touches. Well, that touches. was like a phrase. That was like a segment on the Crosswords show where like people would call in and say nice things to each other. Because Dave and right? I argue very naturally on the air. I feel like that's a common thread running through some shows. Like I know like on the old version of SMB, like they'd have to stop and like give compliments to each other in the middle of the show because it got too That's angry. essentially what tender touches was, yeah. <laughs> you guys want to hang out hang out for the conclusion of uh, the podcast? I have to uh, go to this other meeting. All right, well, we have a one o'clock meeting. I'm, well, it's, I'm, it's my like schedule's wide seconds open. Long. Visit, uh, oh, visit adultswim.com or download the Adult Swim app to watch Tender Touches and some of the things that you guys were just telling everyone about. It's free. Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Android, iOS. Watch our live streams like Blood Feast, Stupid Morning Bullshit, Last Stream on the Left, Truth Point, As Seen on Adult Swim, and of course, Fish Center. Music from today's episode is from our pal Dom, his song, Living in America. I like that song. Me too. Thanks to Christina Loringer for putting this podcast together. Thanks, Dave, Lauren, Max. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I also, I, yeah. I edited a good deal of the early podcast, so it was a dream come true to actually be on the show. Thank you, Matt. How's it on the other side? What's it like? I'm just sitting here on my yellow chair, so it's fine. It's nice. Next week, Rick and Morty Companion Podcast live on the Adult Swim streams, Monday night at 10, and then we'll release that as a podcast. Call in and chat with some of the folks behind the scenes. Critical to the making of these new episodes of Rick and Morty. That's on the Adult Swim streams, Monday at 10. Send your requests, comments, concerns, criticisms to adultswimpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. 